Well, hello there, America. It's me, your old pal, Ronald Reagan. That's right. Welcome back to the Gipcast. That sounds like a, a racist thing to say, and it maybe is, but you know, it's about the Gipper, which is me. I'm not super clear on what the Gipper actually was, uh, but well, that's just what it is. And uh, we're here today to talk to another great man. Saddam Hussein is in the house with us. Uh, Saddam, how are you feeling today? Wait, why do I have to be Saddam? Because that's the thing. I could just, uh, I could leave you out to dry. That's kind of like one of my only bits is to just uh, take a guest and just, or, you know, whoever, and just completely leave them out to dry, leave them hanging in front of an audience that they're Mm -hmm. not at all equipped to handle. You know, it's like, you're not, you're not a performer. You're not an improviser. Those are the kinds of people you would do stuff like that too. But (laughs) just doing it to like a random person, uh, you know is cruel at best you know it's comedy right there yeah wasn't saddam actually like really well spoken like didn't he write a lot in english and like you know there were people in like the u.s who would like write him letters and he would write back or something or am i confusing him with somebody else i don't know man you seem like a real fan which is you know what i was thinking of when i when i did that to you uh but i want to say you're right that sounds right but uh i don't know history sucks the thing about history is you're like man everything always sucked and it just sucked worse at best or about the same or it sucked almost as bad and now we have electricity you know it's like it's it's all it's all fucked everything's fucked i hate everything you you might not you might not be able to sound from my cheery disposition but this is going to be a bad show this is going to suck i am I don't know. You know, the thing about depression, you get depression, Kevin. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 I bet you fucking liar. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, or am I, um, the thing about depression is there's like a thing where it, uh, kind of, it casts the illusion that this is the worst you've ever felt in your life and nothing will ever be good again. And you've always felt bad you know it's like a trick i i don't know if there's like science behind it um but uh i think like it feels like it has like a a sense like an aspect of it that's like temporal displacement like it kind of removes the way you kind of uh understand how you move through time if that makes sense like i know for a fact that I don't know, a month ago, a month and a half ago, I was not feeling like this. And yet it feels like I've been feeling this way for years. And I'm sure there have been, you know, bumpy patches and stuff uh, for years and times during that time where I might have felt close to this bad or this bad or even worse, you know, but it's like, no, you were always feeling like this the past five, 10, 20 years. And it's never been this bad or it's always been exactly this bad not like you know a a spike graph like a line graph that goes up and down you know um so it sucks (laughs) i feel really bad and uh even though i can intellectually uh or maybe even not intellectually maybe i'm just lying myself to myself to feel better even though i could try to intellectualize it to uh put a box around it and try and gain control over it 
at the same time, ugh, I do not like existing. I would like to fade away. I would like to be dead, um, which is different than saying you're going to kill yourself. I think, I hope, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. I just resent, like, I wish I could say that I want to kill myself. I don't want to kill myself, but I wish I had that freedom because especially in like a public facing thing, you know, it's like when you're depressed, you, you do all these weird cries for help or you withdraw or whatever, you know, you, you go through all these weird, like coping mechanisms. And, uh, I don't know. I think like one of the reasons people kill themselves is because they just can't handle it. You know, it's like, I just need a release. And another way people kill themselves is like more of a tantrum, if that makes sense. You know, I feel like I'm more at a tantrum kind of stage, which is not a good reason. That's just being a baby, you know, <laughs> like it's not. But anyway, like I was saying, it's like I resent that you can't. I feel like you can't say that or I guess you can't say it publicly, but I don't know. I think if you say that to a therapist, the therapist can like legally try and get you 5150 or something, you know, like put into involuntary mental hold so like you can't you can't say that to a therapist and you can't say that to other people because they'll freak out and start start calling like family members <laughs> or something you know and there's this uh there's this performative there's this performative helpfulness that shows up i don't know you ever like you ever have a family member that like kind of sucks or whatever and they're like uh you know uh, they're like, oh, you know, if there's anything you need, like, you could always come to me with all this stuff or whatever, you know, and the, you know, they're just like saying that it's not like they mean it. I mean, if you put them in that position, they might kind of perform a little bit, but that's not like what they mean is I feel like societally I'm expected to say this thing. Otherwise, I personally will feel guilty for not having said it. And so I'm doing that and that's my duty and duty finished. Now I can go back to my happy life, thinking my happy thoughts and ignoring the pain. Of <laughs> and there's something very performative and upsetting about that to me. And I don't know, I'm like, a, I don't want that. Like even just saying what I'm saying now, I'm sure it's going to get like some people to like, you know, I don't know, send me DMS or something saying like, blah, 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 blah. And it'll just make me feel worse. And, uh, it, it kind of like reminds me of um i don't like getting gifts uh because most gifts are not very thoughtful if that makes sense and maybe this is just me being a fucking like bitch like a brat but like i feel like when you get a gift that like makes me go like what the fuck was this person thinking you know it's like there's this performative thing where you have to be like oh how how thoughtful and it's like but I wouldn't have put myself in this position. Like you are putting me in this position. Now I have to like, and I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's, there's some shared DNA between like the things people say when you're like, Oh, I'm really depressed right now. And like people giving you like a really bad gift. It's like, I feel like this is something that should be done, but I'm not going to actually put my whole, you know, pussy into it. Um, I'm just gonna to say, and so I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I, but <laughs> anyway back to back to the tantrum of it all i remember like uh there is a time where i was really depressed when i was living with my parents i can't remember how old i was but uh let's say i was like 21 that sounds about right and uh i remember talking to my dad 
um about how like i was like feeling really depressed and similarly i was just like i don't want to exist i don't want to keep doing this this just sucks you know and and then i i can't remember how we got on the subject exactly but i'm sure i was talking about my feelings on some level to my dad and uh i was like wouldn't you like feel bad or guilty like if i killed myself like would it how would that make you feel and i don't know if he was like posturing or if he was trying to say the thing that he thought would uh not make me kill myself but i wasn't going to but it's just that was the subject um but like i don't know what his thought process was i'll tell you my theory after this but um he was like no i would not i would not feel that i failed like i would not feel guilty like it wasn't my fault i would just be like oh i guess he was uh fucked up in a way i couldn't do anything about and that really stuck with me <laughs> the idea that my dad would kind of just brush it off if i kill myself you know and uh so so now my theory on this is i think he's a narcissist and uh and he's almost certainly has like i don't know some kind of bipolar or something who, who knows but like so he's effectively just like a crazy person so like that's my theory is that's that's an insane thing to say to your child <laughs> but, but that's, a, that's a lot to take in how old yeah i want to say like talk? 21 but you know but it's i want to say like yeah 21 but so back to the, the tantrum of it all i think you know when people um like do mass shootings, you know, I think that's of a piece with this kind of tantrum suicide, right? You know, like I'm screaming out in pain. This is my death rattle, my last gasp. And I want people to know, you know, and so like part of that is I'm going to inflict pain on others, both to, to, to show the world and to like leave like some sort of mark, you know, that's, I think why the news doesn't like talking about mass shooters and stuff, but like, so the tantrumy part of me at the point was like well my dad's not even gonna care it's like what's the point i might as well you know just kill him and get away with it or something like not that's 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 a very weird way of putting it but like i was just like you know there's nothing there's not i'm not gonna make him i'm not gonna make people feel bad so it's like what's the point of even doing it from this you know tantrum angle and to be clear i don't think it's i've had enough bullshit there it becomes uh you know the other one where it's just like end this just get this over with um i feel like it's just more kind of like tantrum because i'm privileged and uh, i don't deal with actual problems until you know whatever uh but it was uh it's just it's just something i've been thinking about uh <laughs> is my family um because like i just i don't know it's weird being being a a, a public figure i guess because i don't know how do i even want to put this uh i don't know i think my family was not very good um and they didn't give me support and that's why i don't talk to them because like you know if your family is not supporting you in any fashion and they are uh what do you call it weighing you down causing you problems you know it's like if you put that on a scale and go on the good side nothing and on the bad side several things you know it's like that that equation doesn't balance that's why i don't talk to my family if i thought that they would be supportive in a meaningful way um you know i probably would have them in my life 
uh, but I just don't feel that potential, um, at least at this point. And part of it is because, like I said at the earlier, where uh, I was talking about um, how like people do this performative, like, oh, you know, you could talk to me about anything, sort of thing, and then they don't actually mean it in any meaningful way. I think like the reason I think like that is because it started with my family saying that, and then not doing the things that they said, you know. And so it's like part of it is probably more just my skepticism of people than it is like people's actual tendencies but also like <laughs> i don't know I mean, i'm sure suicide lines help a lot of people you should put a uh, suicide line <laughs> number in the in the comment in the show notes or something uh because we're talking about heavy shit but like i don't know the idea of a suicide line is just like so weird to me because it's like oh i'm talking to this person on the phone who has no obligation to me i don't even know what the fuck they're doing and then now I feel better. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I, I don't know. It just like all of it, it just seems like it. And I'm sure those people are working in those jobs because they actually care and they've gone through, you know, a bit, bunch of shit, but it's hard for me to like see that for that and not see it as more of this like fake support, just kind of like going through the motions, you know, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I've never called one. <laughs> but i don't know what goes on but you know i feel like if they were really supporting they'd be all like yeah and here's like 500 dollars or something you know it's like i feel like i don't i don't know what support people want or need or whatever that leads them to those places but it just doesn't seem it feels very ephemeral to me um anyway all of this to say uh it's weird it's weird being in a place or not even it's weird i think i would like to be in a place where i was a higher priority in a very small amount of people's lives than i am you know um i think you know not having a family and not being able to connect to my family i think forever i've gone to the internet you know even when i was in high school and earlier to kind of like cobble together kind of like a support structure because it's hard, especially in like high school and stuff, it's really hard to talk to guys about your feelings and stuff. Like they just are very bad at that. <laughs> like they're not good at, uh, at, at, uh, handling that. So, but, but being able to just like cry or bitch online, you know, to random people about everything, it's like, they don't know who you're talking about and they don't know, you know, it's like, that's kind of like a coping mechanism I developed, but like, you know there's just there's not it's not like those people are prioritizing and that's the thing it's like i think uh one of the big reasons why i did harmontown in the first place was um was to like meet women like literally um i remember um like on the harmontown tour when when i got invited to go like that to me was like one of the demarcations of like actually joining because I was on the show for a little bit of time before that, but I just never thought of myself as being on the show because you know, you got Adam Goldberg and stuff and you wouldn't say they're on the show. You wouldn't say they're part of the show. You'd say the show invites people like that on the show and that's the format, right? Um, and so one of the points was it felt a little bit different was going on on the, on the tour. But I, I, I think that even then, I think there was part of me that was like not identifying as part of the group. But when I was like offered to go on the show, I was like, well, maybe I'll like meet girls from being on like Harmontown and stuff. That could be cool. And you know, on some level, I think that's like trying to get some of this support and uh, 
you know, being someone's priority is like kind of like the underlying like urge for that. Probably. I know that my mom had a terrible family growing up and, um, she always, she always used to say this to us that like, she was so mistreated and so sad all the time that she would just fantasize about having a loving family. That was like, you know, when she would like, you know, whatever, cry herself to sleep, I guess. I don't think she would put it like that, but you know, for the, for the mental picture you know that's kind of like the thought she would use to rally herself was like imagining her future self with this family with kids and everybody just being this perfect you know iconic hallmark family loving her and supporting her and you know i think that's something that when she got married that's something she really wanted to create like i think that was a big driving force for her and uh you know i think she was for reasons that weren't her fault, I think she was very emotionally immature and stunted because of, you know, like literal abuse she faced as a kid. Um, but I think like that, like drive to want this, like good looking family on, uh, in her mind, like kind of pulled her away from actually engaging in a family because she was like, this isn't what I was imagining, you know, and like, how do I make look like what I wanted to look like, as opposed to like, relating to people and <laughs> being emotionally supportive and available and stuff. I don't know who knows. But uh, so I think I have some of that too, where it's like, I, I kind of felt similarly, although I wasn't, you know, abused the way she was. Um, but you know, I think I kind of on some level, I'm like imagining some sort of future version of myself that has more of a support network. And, uh, and so, you know, to be, to have fans, you know, and, and to people who look at you really positively, but then to know that like, you know, it's not like they're gonna put me before their relationships and they shouldn't, it would be insane of them to do that. But like, to be all like, there's all these people that would pay lip service to the idea that they really care about you. And then an actual fact, you know, I don't know, like maybe they'd let me crash on their couch if I missed my flight or something, but you know, nothing, nothing serious. It's this weird jarring experience, this kind of dichotomy and this kind of, uh, like separation between what it looks like and how it actually operates. And it just, I don't know, you know, like my problems aren't that bad. But I feel like I just wish I had more of a support network um, because it just feels like I'm doing everything myself. Like, uh, I feel like the only thing I can use to solve problems is money. It's like I can either do stuff myself or I can spend money to do things. And that's basically all I have. Um, and it just, uh, it just sucks. I feel like I'm broken in a way that makes my very simple, not difficult problems very impossible for me personally to handle you know i'm just too terrified and I'm, I'm 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 devastated by minor setbacks and failures and stuff you know we talked about neuroticism in the past and it's like i feel like uniquely unequipped to handle the problems i have i don't feel like i i have what i need to do what i need to do to solve my very easy problems, which are not uh, crazy by any stretch. You know, I'm worried about money these days. The strike is really fucking me up. Uh, you know, like I, I can't remember how much I talked about this, but we've been in development on this project, um, which a development deal is they give you money to like write a pilot and kind of set up like what you're going to do for the show. It used to be, they just pay you for a pilot 
and then you make the pilot you know that's where pilots come from you hear about pilot season or you hear you know so in the, they don't even talk like this anymore but in the past there would be you know pilots and then they just show the pilot and if people didn't watch the pilot it'd be like i guess we're not going to make any more of the show but they'd pay you to make the pilot and they'd pay you for the pilot now with the development deals what they do is they pay you a vastly reduced rate and they spend even less money because they're not actually producing anything to get a script and maybe a sizzle reel and for the sizzle reel basically you're just on your own um they'll give you like i don't know maybe twenty thousand dollars at most like and that's budget like like they they kind of expect you to make a sizzle reel for essentially free and in, including production costs and then the sizzle reel is kind of the new pilot and even that doesn't really happen it's more like if you have a sizzle reel when you come into pitch that's helpful which is again that's they're expecting you to do thousands of dollars of free labor to enter the pitch you know to come in with your pitch which used to just be like hey i had an idea these guys go to space and they have cone heads you know or whatever the fuck, you know uh so like i've been in a development deal and it's been going it's been a three-year process which by eh, like when you hear people talking about excruciatingly long development cycles they will talk about eight months they will talk about a year they will say that the longest thing they'd ever heard is almost two years <laughs> and we've been like pretty well over three years at this point on the same thing with only one disbursement of money and stuff which whatever the money is not the problem but the problem is being on the hook and being mentally on the hook and emotionally on the hook for a show that you just have no idea what's going on you talk to a couple people in, at the network and you have no clue who those people are and what they mean to the network where they stand in the network whether or not they have their boss's ear whether or not they have like specific decisions for like spending this or that money whether they have green light power you know you just kind of assume that they're a representative of the company but what does that mean like for all i know they could just be random pas that are sneaking into a meeting to take zoom calls or something you know that's not what's happening but there's just no clue like what it actually means to be talking to this person so they're saying like oh this or that what about these notes and you're like well have has anyone higher up than you seen this script do they know this is a project that you're excited about? Have they ever looked at it? Do they care about it? Is this something they want to make? It's just, there's no clarity. And uh, so we had just been in a holding pattern for a while and then the strike hit. And then it's like, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. So like, I think in, in some cases you might expect um, them to be all like, well, if the strike's happening, we better, we better make this show because we can technically make this show during a writer strike because it's not guild um so maybe it'll actually be good for us but i was i'm a pessimist but they just seem like hesitant um the corporates people seem kind of hesitant about it so i was like i don't think it's going to be good i think this is adding uncertainty to a group of people that shows to be incredibly hes hesitant and uncertainty would not make them more decisive you know far from it um but so i mean who knows how long the strike's gonna go and after the strike's over who knows how they'll view the series uh even if they liked it beforehand like so we don't know that they liked it beforehand but after it like who knows and and there's going to be hypothetically so much appetite for new stuff once the strike breaks that they're not going to be going to us you know these low these low level peons they're going to be going to uh you know like your Seth Rogans and your uh, George Clooney's or whatever, you know, maybe not George Clooney, but uh, you know, go, go to all the, all the good gets 
and be all like, let's get something going. So, you know, any momentum we had, maybe post strike, it's like they don't even care. And that's even assuming the show is the, the, the strike could have killed the show, but we just don't know. Like they might have been like, hey, maybe we should make this. And then the strike hit and they're like, we're definitely not going to make this. But they haven't told us that, you know. Um, so it's like, it's, it's like, you know, it's like Schrodinger's cat or whatever. We just, we have no idea what the reality is and we have to emotionally accept all the possibilities either it's dead or it's not dead or whatever but so you know i have other stuff that we're trying to make but you know who knows maybe maybe if we ever get to a place of pitching after the strike that'll just set off another three-year fucking development cycle and then it's like that's not gonna help you know so it's it's just like, uh, so yeah, I've been worried about money, but money's not an issue because I just need a job, but it's like, I don't know what to fucking do for a job. I'm looking for like tutoring work and stuff, but uh, you know, it's all, it's all whatever. Uh, but it's just like, yeah, I, I, I feel like I timed things wrong. I should have been working. You know, I, every time I was working for Dan, I was like, I should be writing, I should be doing scripts and it just was impossible. Uh, you know, not to blame Dan, but he's such an immaculate writer that it's hard to write something when you're with, you know, a real genius every day and look at it and be like, this is anything, you know, it's like, you just look at it and you're like, well, this is trash. I'm going to throw this away and I'm going to give up. You know, It's like, it was really hard to kind of like, uh, you know, trust your own ideas. I think when, uh, when you're, you, you're around like real talents, real funny people, you know, like everyone that worked at community and Rick and Morty was so funny and stuff. It's, it's just impossible. And then, you know, to not, and a lot of people at least have film school or something or experience. And I just don't, because it was never something I thought about, you know, until now. So it's like, and even if that's not like a real excuse, it's like, it's a mental way of like shielding myself uh from trying you know because it's like well why would you try you so you don't know what you're doing you know but uh, who knows but uh so yeah i mean i guess what i'm trying to say is i need therapy but <laughs> i don't know how to uh i don't know i gotta find out someone that takes medical or something but whatever it's i mean uh, the thing about the strike is they want you to feel like this um they want you to feel like they have the upper hand and they're going to keep going forever and then they cave you know out of nowhere or something but you know it just came out in the news that they wanted to resume talks and that was something they leaked to the press because they're always playing the press they're always leaking to the press they're trying to do these weird political machinations wga called it out they explained like exactly what was going to go down and then exactly that thing went down it was kind of amazing how stupid they are but uh how stupid the corpse are um but like it's just like i don't know it's unclear how long they want to plant draw, draw this out like i keep saying you know and i'm probably just being a doomer about it but if you think about it for them they want to use ai to write stuff right and i think we've kind of demonstrated that ai is not super good at writing creative ideas um but uh they don't care about that they're not seeing that they're seeing you know this hypothetical gold standard of a computer being as good as is dan Harmon or something or even better and they're like and we can do that for free holy shit, you know and so if that's what you're targeting then like if you were smart and capable of withstanding it then that I, I think like if i were the corpse you know if i were in their position i would be willing to like put up with a strike for multiple years like 
because it would be a revolution in the industry. You would no longer have to pay people, you know, like it would just be such a scape shift that it would be worth really tanking the stop stocks for a long time if they thought they could get away with it. Part of our leverage is we're trying like the hypothetical thing is that the earnings calls happen every quarter or whatever. And hopefully, you know, the strike is negatively impacting the earnings calls and that leads to the CEOs getting fired. And so that kind of makes them afraid about not taking the deals because they don't want to tank the earnings too bad. But I don't think the earnings calls were that negative as far as I've heard reporting. It's not like they were great, but it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that heads are going to roll over. So who even knows? But, you know, I'm a, I'm an extreme pessimist um, who is uh, in a fog of depression. So I'm not very objective at, at weighing these things anyway. But, you know, it doesn't make you feel better among all this stuff, you know. Um, so it just sucks. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't suck. Soda. <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, that's not right. We got to take a quick break. That's the thing, man. It sucks. You know, there's good things that are happening. Like uh, we were getting advertisers, you know, it's, but I would just, I hope the advertisers don't listen to um, the podcast. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. The best thing about summer is getting to do all your favorite indoor things outside, like sharing meals and accidentally falling asleep on the sofa. Article's curated catalog of outdoor furniture is here to help you do all your favorite things this summer. They've got everything you need from outdoor sofas to dining sets to decor. Their team of designers is all about finding the perfect balance between style, quality, and price. And they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. You just pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have a beautiful article outdoor dining set. It's got this heavy wood three-piece picnic table kind of thing, and it is robust. It is quality. Article is offering our listeners $50 off their first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, go to article.com slash goblinflakes, and at the discount will automatically be applied at checkout. That's article.com slash goblinflakes for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we're back. <laughs> Did you expect that, Kevin? I, I didn't. Um, your, your commercials are becoming this elevated level of performance art where I'm even shocked at what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah i mean that's because i i'm going behind your back i'm trying to i'm trying to secure revenue streams you know i'm getting deals i'm making deals <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i shouldn't be laughing so hard at my own uh shit uh but hey you know whatever uh we gotta talk about tiktok we didn't talk about it last uh week or not last week last whatever the fuck we didn't talk about three months ago, but Kevin, you actually texted me about AI streamers, the NPC streamers on TikTok. Have you heard about this? You, I mean, you must have. You you brought it to my attention, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's crazy how popular this has become. I don't even know how to explain. Well, what just try doing. a little bit, and I'll come in and rescue you. So I guess they're they're, they're getting you know, uh, their their viewers are are tipping them money with suggestions for which NPC sound to make. And they're just basically mimicking NPCs saying specific lines over and over again. That's, that's all their stream is. It's just this barrage of nonsensical sounds and, and three word quotes. Is that, is that roughly right? Yeah. So essentially what's happening is stream. So there's a lot of ways to stream on TikTok, And if you stream, you can have people give you gifts. It's a little bit like uh, Twitch or whatever with bits and stuff, but 
uh so people do all sorts of stuff when they stream like i don't know you could stream the game like getting over it or whatever and then you could say if you get if you gift something that costs ten dollars or whatever i'll jump to the beginning of the game and have to start all over you know or like a guy does a rubik's cube stream and it's like oh if you if you gift me this twenty dollar thing i will reset the rubik's cube and mess it up again and have to and you know it's a 17 by 17 by 17 rubik's cube so it takes fucking forever to do um you know stuff like that so various ways to get gifts but the gifts unlike twitch the gifts are actual things like you could give a rose you could give like a finger heart you can give like a hat um if you give like some of them are like they actually show animations on screen so you can i think give someone a hat and it actually puts a hat on their head using like motion tracking and stuff for for a, a short period of time and so like one of the ways people were doing it before like npc streamers is they would kind of be angry streamers like raging streamers and they'd be like yelling and then someone would like gift them a hat and they'd be like why do i have a fucking hat get this fucking hat off of me you know um just kind of like almost trolling you to engage um kind of engagement bait but uh i think that's kind of maybe the origin of it but it started with this one woman i'm pretty sure um who started doing it and essentially what you do is you pick like an npc kind of archetype to embody that's like your character the way if you like had a character as like a, a comedian or something like and 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 so people are doing different things like i've seen someone being like sonic the hedgehog and they're wearing like sonic costumes and they're like hey gotta go fast but they kind of just do like what what amounts to an idle animation in a fighting game where they kind of like go i'm kind of doing an idle animation i mean i'm not i'm kind of i don't know you can watch it on the check it out that happens pod.com <laughs> um <laughs> but uh you know they kind of do this idle stance like they're doing stuff and people do different things like i've seen someone with a whisk in a bowl just whisking an empty bowl and that was like their their thing they're like a guy whisking a bowl or something you know and so you pick kind of this archetype and then depending on the gif uh the gifts they give you have like a scripted essentially response so like I feel like the woman she would get a heart and then she would like pretend to eat the heart on screen and then the heart would disappear and it would be kind of like she ate it you know and then she would go like yum 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 you know and then it's exactly you, you use the same inflection you know like an npc that just repeats the same dialogue options you go yum 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 you know and so and then they do different things you know so I have every, a short every clip oh nice so, can you, you wanna, pull it so, up yeah it's I mean, just your, audio your though. text all fucked, so oh okay that's no, not no, no hold on hold on that's you my, that's, you that's can't. I don't think you can do that kind of comedy. I don't. I don't know if the audience. Is, okay, here we go. I, that's the woman. Yeah. I feel so good. Yes, yeah, strong woman. <gasps> Balloon. Yes, yeah, strong woman. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, strong woman. Yes, yeah, strong woman. Slay her. Oh, take a guess. I love you. Slay her. Gang, gang. Okay. So that, you know that, you can see. That. see yeah you can see the identical inflection you know it's 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 kind of the hence the npc it's like you talk to an npc and they're like welcome to corneria welcome to corneria you know that's kind of the the joke i think that's the one that started it and at some point i don't know I, i'm sure people started paying attention and copying it for the memes before but then she was like yeah i make like thousands of dollars per stream and she does stream for long periods of time like i want to say like four to eight hours sometimes so it's not like she's just doing these one hour streams and racking in thousands but uh 
and also it's a skill like it's not easy to to do it uh, that perfectly you know other people try and other people have had a lot of success but you know they're not doing it as well and they're not as like engaged as, as she is um but uh you know so once she revealed that she was making lots of money everyone like was like i'm doing this now and so it became this big boom it's kind of started dying off a little bit but you know i don't know on TikTok, there's these trends of lives where they just do different things like i don't know snake was a big one for a while they just played a game snake you know uh android snake and so yeah i don't know that's just uh i mean more power to them that's the thing like i feel like i mean obviously there's enough money for television uh there's we can keep making shows and movies and stuff it'll be fine it's not gonna fuck everything up but um i think like in terms of like the war of attention like eyeballs i think streaming and twitch and youtube and stuff are soaking up a lot more eyeballs and like i i just like i i wonder if on some level i mean the thing is the corpse aren't capitalizing on those eyeballs at all but like i think like for people it's like they're just not necessarily watching as much streaming content i mean especially as television has become cheaper and kind of uh less special because of the way streamers have treated it you know and i've talked about this before just like put all the features in a box don't worry about user experience in any way i was just talking to my friend jeff the other day um and he was saying that streamers are taking away the continue watching uh field or hiding it because some market research showed that if you hide the continue watching people will browse and look through what other content they have uh and that is something they've decided is good um it's more profitable or has more engagement that way or something um and that's like you know i want to oh i've been watching breaking bad i would like to go watch breaking bad and let's log in and watch it oh now i can't i can't because some idiot has made a cynical decision that me getting to watch the breaking bad i open the app to watch is actually worse for their bottom line than me just confusingly stumbling through several kind of different windows and and pulling up accidentally a bunch of like trailers that autoplay before i can like get to you know it's just like it's insane um but it's all it's all made tv feel less special and uh you know i don't know it's just interesting to think like that that this and also tv costs money you know like TikTok is free like as long as you have a phone and everyone has a phone then youtube's the same way like i never uh I never like was that into YouTube, but everyone loves YouTube, you know, they'll just watch it like TV. And so it's just interesting. Like, I wonder, I wonder what the future is going to be like, is there going to be even less kind of TV and more of this kind of like influencer driven stuff? I'm not sure, you know, it's interesting stuff, but more interesting than that is another TikTok trend that just started up the other day. And I find it quite delightful. Um, it's known as the Pharaoh's curse where I don't know how it started exactly, but there's this uh, music from Super Mario 64, uh, or I guess Mario 64, right? Mario 64, that's like the Sandlands music. It's like this kind of Egyptian sounding like bring, 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 kind of like strum. Um, And they've been putting that music over pictures of people doing the cinnamon challenge or the nutmeg challenge i suppose it's the cinnamon challenge um but you know the cinnamon challenge is where you eat a giant heaping spoonful of of cinnamon and and try and swallow it but because it's just dry powder your body is like well we can't have this and also cinnamon's like a spice so it's spicy so that that kind of doubles it um but the spice is like (laughs) 
it makes them cough and then the, the, the shit's caking their mouth and stuff and they're just blowing all this like cinnamon out of nowhere out of their mouths and stuff and it, it kind of looks like they're coughing up dust or sand or something so they take these people coughing up what appears to be dust or sand and then they put this kind of egyptian sounding s- sound clip over it and then they put the caption the pharaoh's curse <laughs> like i don't know like I don't I I'm not super clear on any Pharaoh's curse lore that's like it makes you cough up sand or anything I, but I get it it's like a, it's like a nice kind of that's the thing man people on the internet are so good at like memes they like say like this is just like a dog or something you know and it's like it's hard it's like where do you come up with this stuff but at the same time it's like it's so perfect you know that's why people who are good at Twitter are good at Twitter because they're good at doing stuff like that and the Pharaoh's curse that is like that. clip do you want me to, okay. you want me to play the clip before? Do you have the video or just the, I have the video? The yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Video, so right. that happens. Pod.com. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's what it sounds and looks like. And, um, then in the comments, there will be there. There's, so that was the first beam. And then pretty quickly, there is the secondary meme in the comments posting shit along the lines of return the slab or bro did not return the slab or blood is getting really popular you know in terms of uh aave getting used on TikTok, like blud blood it's just kind of like saying bro or whatever or bruh uh i assume i don't know i don't know how any of shit works but so they say like blood did not return to slab or whatever and then other people will be like suffer the wrath of raw or they're just whatever but and also people have found like wingdings that look like hieroglyphics so they're just posting a bunch of hieroglyphics in the comments and it's just it's just really good and then there's this thing that happens sometimes with TikTok, and TikTok's album algorithms change lately it makes it a lot more aggressive one thing about TikTok's algorithm is you'll watch like a lawn video, like a guy mowing his lawn. And if you watch the whole video, and especially if you comment on the video, it it does this, it, it like goes, oh, this person likes lawn mowing videos. Let's serve them more. And that's always been part of TikTok. But in the latest algorithm change, it's been a lot more aggressive. Like if you watch something and it, it flags you as liking it, like in the next five videos, like two of them will be that thing so like you watch a vi- one video and then immediately it starts changing the algorithmic kind of playlist that is that's serving you and uh and so what happens sometimes is sometimes these these trends hit so hard that they just take over your feed and it's just like every other video or every third video is like the same thing and i think that short sounds uh trend better faster like that uh so you'll just be like i'll just be scrolling and there'll just be like 10 videos out of 13 videos will just all be the pharaoh's curse and i don't know something about that sound bite just the those string instruments or whatever it's just this really kind of addicting it's like bam 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 and i, I don't know you just want to watch everyone it's just people coughing up sand and then you know as the meme kind of evolved like people are trying to find other things where like dust 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 devils are kicking up you know little sandstorm kind of things or whatever 
and so it's just and then everyone's posting bro did not return the slab and then other people are being like why the fuck i've seen 20 of these videos in the last 10 minutes you know and other people are like i don't get what this joke is could someone explain what this joke is and it's just i don't know it's it was just a real shit storm that was happening and it's just very it was very delightful a lot of times when you see the the memes and stuff that like one of these kind of aggressively viral trends it gets frustrating because the trends are stupid or whatever or they're weird like there is a trend the other time, the like a couple months ago, where it was just like literal porn, which is banned on on TikTok. But you know, you can post a video and then it doesn't get taken down immediately. So people were just posting like explicit sex acts, and you just and and it was that aggressive, like the Pharaoh's curse. So like you just see like seven out of ten videos would be porn and stuff, and it'd just be like what the fuck, and you just try and scroll past it or whatever uh and it would just like they would just be feeding feeding you more and it's like so that's another thing that happens on TikTok. and it was just really funny that like the meme itself was of a curse you know so it felt like you were cursed by you know be constantly fed these videos and it was just it's just very good and the return to slab is reference to the courage the cowardly dog and uh so it's just very 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 delightful um i don't know you know uh you know what else is delightful is fucking soda. I want to read emails, but I want to I want to try this. Okay, so Little Caesars for some reason did a collab with uh oh great water on my computer. Um did a collab with uh Pepsi to make pineapple Pepsi, uh which is in the vein of the the mango Pepsi. Kevin, have you tried this? Because you actually I heard it. I was yeah, I was I was saving it. And I'm not home right now, so I can't try it. But I'll I'll yeah. enjoy it with you over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> now that's you know that's the stability. That's why Kevin's the rock. That's why everyone loves Kevin because you know he's un he's unshakable. He's gonna enjoy the enjoy this with me. Um, I have had this. I got two cans, and I had one before. I don't think it's around anymore. It's certainly the last. I went to uh, Little Caesars like a couple days ago, and they did not have it. So I think this might be done, or it's just maybe out at the one I went to. I don't know. Anyway, let's try it. Hey, Spencer's tasting it. He looks. He looks like he's enjoying it. A little shocked, but enjoying it. Yeah. Now that you're coming, demons are coming out of faces, weird sorry. faces. Yeah, um, yeah. No, okay. So it, it's like Pepsi Mango. The thing with Pepsi Mango was it was so mangoy. It was not like Pepsi. You know, there's like a Pepsi underco uh, undercurrent, but it was like this mangoy soda. You know, and and the the mangoes actually had. Yeah, just similarly, clarified pineapple juice is the third ingredient after carbonated water and high fructose corn syrup. So there's real pineapple juice in this, and it tastes it. Um, I would say that pineapple is a worse combination with cola flavor than mango and cola flavor, and it does have an undercurrent of cola, but I, it mostly just tastes like a pineapple soda, which it's not bad, but I want to say that like... You know, there's the pineapple Baja flash that came out uh, last summer of Baja. And then there was also like when I had that, I also tried a, a pineapple Fanta to kind of compare to like other pineapple sodas. And I think both of those are better than this, um, but it's good. It's like a weird pineapple soda. It's like it works surprisingly well, but not as well as uh, the Pepsi mango. Like, I think people would still have that kind of Pepsi mango style reaction where they're like, wow, I thought this would be kind of like jokingly bad. And actually it's, it's compelling. You know, I think it has that same kind of thing. Yeah. Spencer's trying uh, another little bit of it. Yeah. Sorry. Kevin's on a delay. It's, it's not good for <laughs> tasting with me. Um, but you know, whatever. 
<sighs> we gotta get we gotta get these other this was the only one I wanted to try because Kevin doesn't have the sodas right now but uh, I uh, we still gotta try that New Zealand one and then do yes. all those crazy things I said that one week what was the fucking whatever whatever who cares man everything sucks uh and you know you know what sucks the worst is you the listener <laughs> you're talking about me shit. <laughs> yeah well i guess you in a way uh you, you are a listener as, as a matter of speaking no but no i meant i meant the listener i, I think i kind of resent my fan base uh because again it's like the fans think i can do anything they think i can just like walk into netflix and be all like hey guys what about we played DD on the television you know and it's like it's not i'm a fucking nobody i can't i can't do anything i don't know anybody i don't have you know i don't have whatever right it's just and so like i feel like i think i kind of resent my fans for like uh furthering this idea that like i even have fans or that like i can do things in the public sphere like other people can you know and then whenever I try and I feel like I fail because I overestimate anything negative, um, you know, so what might not even be considered a failure, I consider a failure. And then I'm like, well, I only did this because I thought that you guys had my back and you don't and whatever. And so I feel like on some level, I would like to alienate all my fans until I have no more fans. And then I'll be like, yeah, finally, I failed. Now I can fucking give up. You know, now I can just get a normal job at Home Depot or whatever. But like the presence of having fans, uh, which, you know, they're dwindling. Uh, but this is like is is kind of making me feel like I can do this thing that I can't. But realistically, I can do it. It's just that I don't try hard enough. And it's hard to try hard enough when you just hate yourself. And uh, uh, every time you do anything, you feel bad. Man, I was playing fucking Dave the Diver the other day. And Dave the Diver is a real great game, but uh, I was like, it's a game where it's you should play it, Kevin. But uh, I mean, you're too busy, I guess. But uh, it's 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 a great game. You go diving and you shoot fish with a harpoon gun, and then like you 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 go down and dive, and if you don't surface with enough with air left, you know you drown, and uh, and then you take the fish that you've cooked and you do like this. Uh, or not cook caught and you do this like sushi mini game where you're working at a sushi chef and and like taking people's orders and and giving them their food and pouring them drinks and stuff and i, I don't know like so it's kind of like what is that game like overcooked or whatever um but where you're just frantically making this food and you're messing up all the time because it's so fast paced that you just can't you can't do it as 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 perfectly as you'd like because the idea is you're supposed to expand the sushi shop and you're supposed to hire employees and they kind of take up the burden and then with when you have the employees helping you then you can kind of serve the whole restaurant and, and so you're supposed to be failing in the beginning and really struggling but like it was just like you, you a person like they're they're spe a speech bubble with the picture of the food they want will appear and that's them like placing their order and then um you bring the food that looks like their food to them and that's how you give them their order but like uh you can only move so fast and you have like a dashing bar to like speed up but you can't run out of stamina otherwise you'll kind of be exhausted for a short period of time and so like the game is again it's designed to make you fail i don't even think there's like a downside to like 
messing with messing someone up like if if eventually their speech bubble turns red if you don't serve them and they'll eventually leave the restaurant but i don't think it like really docks you points like i don't think you get like a penalty for them get leaving but like i was just playing the diver and like someone walks out because i didn't serve them their sushi fast enough and i'm just like what am i doing this is awful i can't even serve a sushi like i was really beating myself up over you know failing at a thing that the game presumably expects you to be failing at at that point in the game and certainly does not even penalize you but just the idea of this pixelated person being really frustrated that they didn't get their sushi on time was like really really just root uh, destroying me and my self-esteem and so uh, you know that's a that's a kind of a snapshot of where i'm at right now um but it's just yeah it's been weird it's been weird uh but whatever uh we gotta read some emails we need more emails from Riddlebot, huh? Anyway, uh, Dalton writes, Dear Spencer and Kevin, I love your podcast. You have a great dynamic. Uh, some of the funniest moments I've ever heard on a podcast. I cannot believe that's true. I appreciate it all the same, but that that's not right. How could that be right? Uh, Spencer's isn't he Jeffrey song, Kevin and the Spleen, the musical interludes, all great. I want to give some more specific feedback that I think you haven't heard before. Uh, this doesn't seem like we should read this. Uh, well, here we go. Spencer has amazing taste in podcasts. Keep the recommendations going. I love Rude Tales of Magic, and this is important, and only gave them a chance because of you. Great stuff. Miramanga was an amazing guest. I have her on. Uh, you should have her back frequently. I didn't feel that way at first, but she won me over, and you have a great chemistry together. This isn't feedback, but I feel serendipitously connected to Spencer. Give me money then. Um, there have been multiple times that I've had a very specific frustration or feeling just before putting on the latest episode and hearing you go through with the same thing. Of course, my Snapchat brain can't recall specific moments, but I swear it's happened like four or five times. I've actually got this feedback before. Uh, it's interesting. I never would have expected it, but I guess it's because we talk about current events, maybe. It makes me feel so uh, seen to hear your thoughts on specific things that people don't usually talk about. I miss Jeff and Kumail and Cohen and Aaron. Please have them all on the pod on the same episode, Jesus Christ, to explain their whereabouts. Much love, Dalton. D sleazy I'll, I'll say that i don't know if he wants me to say the last name i forgot something i copied spencer's dd recap format from harmontown and my parents have or my players have really been loving it i didn't think i could pull it off but it's been really effective at getting everyone including me acclimatized and energized so thanks for being my mentor spencer uh d sleazy uh yeah um thank you that's that's nice usually when someone says they have feedback it's they're gonna complain about a bunch of shit. So i'm glad that that didn't happen um mira actually came out to uh orange county or la area recently and we went to huntington library um i think you know she's been too busy and traveling and stuff otherwise i would have probably tried to get her on the podcast again um but yeah we went to huntington library and checked out a bunch of roses it was fucking hot it was like 95 uh degrees and it was uh maybe not 95 it was like 92 but it was it was very hot and i couldn't like go as long as i wanted to because it was just too hot but it was it was nice to go there but also i was super depressed at that time and then it's like you're trying to be a tour guide show show your friend around to a place they haven't been and be like oh check these out and look at this and isn't this crazy and also just have a conversation i'm like i don't want to do this i don't want to do anything i don't want to be here i don't want to be outside i don't want to do anything i wish i was under a rock um and so it's really i don't know i, I don't want to dump any of that on her either that, that would have been weird um but you know it was that was a very weird thing too uh also, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what I was going to say. Anyway, John Collins writes, oh, 
Next time, Jeff, maybe we should save this for if Jeff is on. Uh, he has a question. Jez, uh, John Collins has a question. Oh, not John Collins. John, not Collins. John, last name unknown. <laughs> uh, the, the has a question for Jeff. Uh, some time ago when that happens, you're talking about community. He never sat down and watched it. He's only seen a couple episodes. Um, how does Jeff, how, how has he resisted binging a benchmark network TV show where the leading man is loosely based on him? I mean, I, I don't know how Jeff feels about it. It's probably irresponsible and shitty of me to even have a hypothesis because someone might then say, oh, I'm sure Jeff does feel like that. And then now they're thinking something that I just made up and think it's authoritative because it comes from me. But yeah, a benchmark network TV show where the leading man is loosely based on him. A role that he auditioned for and didn't get. I mean, if that were me, I would then not want to watch that show. I, I, I've never heard Jeff say anything that this is clearly just speculation based on nothing. Please do not put on the internet that I said this. Don't record this and put it on onto Apple podcasts. But uh, that it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, you know, I uh, I have a hard time listening to Harmontown just because it's over, you know, so it's like, well, do you ever have the, the experience like, where um, once you're sort of involved with something, you can no longer enjoy it as a fan anymore? Like, like, as like examples, you know, I was so into video games, like specifically like Mortal Kombat, like I was a very good Mortal Kombat player. Then I got a job at Midway Games, not even really anything to do with Mortal Kombat initially at all. But I immediately stopped playing with it because I just couldn't enjoy it anymore. And then, like, you know, I was a huge Harmontown fan up until the point I really started getting involved behind the scenes. And then not that I didn't enjoy the show, I just I didn't listen to it recreationally anymore. You know, like, if, if I didn't catch the episode the day it came out, it was no big deal to me, even if I didn't hear it when it was live. You know, do you, do you see yourself going through things like that? Um, yeah, that definitely happens to me. Um when I was on Harmontown, I listened like obsessively to it whenever it came out. Um, I don't know. I think part of it was it helped me remember what happened in D and D and I would be super high. So it'd be helpful to have those reminders, but also part of it was like, I wanted to hear how funny I was being and how, if I got reactions and stuff. And then I would go and check the Reddit and see if like people were like, wow, that joke Spencer told was very funny and never happened. Never happened once. Um, but you know, it's, it's just like, I, so I, I do get that. I think when you are, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know exactly how it works in your circumstance, but I think it just changes your relationship to the thing and it changes the associations and the way you kind of look at it even if it's not bad like now that i like have been you know trying to not even trying to write but just being dan's assistant listening to writers rooms discussions and stuff it's completely changed the way i watch everything um i still like watching stuff but i think like i get a lot more frustrated when things bump me in certain ways than i used to and and it's different like it used to just be logic bumps like the things that before i kind of like got into this the things that would really piss me off about movies was when there was like a contrivance and the only reason there is a contrivance is because if you didn't have it then the show wouldn't exist like an obvious example is why didn't he just call them on the phone you know you would have been able to solve the problem you would have been able to tell them that the murderer was on their way whatever the fuck you know there's almost always like 
oh, why don't you just call them? And, you know, a lot of things will say like, oh, the phone's dead. Like just to kind of like casually mention there actually is, you know, at least we're saying this is why they didn't just call them. You know, um, that used to be the thing that pissed me off because it's just like, well, if you can't make a story that answers the question, why is the problem existing to the point of we're making a show about it? Then why are you making the fucking show in the first place? You can't even solve that to me feels like the first problem you have to solve to be all like, this is a story we're telling because it's like, if everything you do is always, Oh, he just could have called him on the phone and just never thought of it. It's like, that's not a story we're telling, you know, it's just not good. But I don't know. I think it's been different to different stuff. Like a lot of comedy people, like uh, they have a hard time watching comedy and stuff. And I just, uh, I don't, um, all right, Kevin, come we can talk about him. Uh, Kevin is a cyborg made by the government. Oh, Hey, Kevin, you're back. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there, you don't look like a cyborg at all. Uh, if uh, you're muted, I think it looks like, sorry, sorry um, I, I just got told I was being too loud by somebody at the hotel I'm in right now. <sighs> I, it's me talking too much again, isn't it? I, I, someone I, just knocked on my door and told me I need to keep it down in here. Have you seen Bo is Afraid? No, I there haven't. This, in the beginning of Bo is Afraid, there's uh, he's like in his apartment and it's like one in the morning and someone is like partying and screaming and their music is like really loud with like incredible bass. And he keeps getting a note passed under his bed that's like, keep it down. And he's like, I, he's like looking at the note. He can't see who leaves the note like it's kind of like it's a interesting absurdist kind of film and it, it kind of starts like like that and so he's like he sees the note and he rushes outside to see who it is and there's just no one there you know it like defies explanation how fast they, and then like i think at a point like the notes start coming really really fast they're just like flooding through his door and they're like telling him to be quiet and he's like he's just like what do you do you can't even tell a person that's not me you know and it's like what are they even thinking but uh yeah, it's it's that it, it does just remind me of that. It's it's super frustrating. Man, Bo's Afraid is the one of the most frustrating movies I've ever experienced. Um, it's good, but it's like it's just like that where he's constantly in these situations that aren't his fault, and everyone is blaming him, and the world is just blowing up around him. And I feel like for a lot of people, that's like, hey, isn't that interesting? Life's kind of like that, huh? And when I was watching, that, I was like, I know this is my whole life is just this. This is how it feels the whole time. And so like, it was almost like triggering to watch it because it was just like, this is, this is what I deal with every fucking, you know, which is probably victimhood and me being over exaggerated, you know, me being kind of dramatic, but I was just like, this is, this is the, the fucking, and just seeing it, it's just like, it was, it was too, too, too much. And it's supposed to be too much. Like that's, that's the kind of gamble they were making. And that's kind of what they wanted to to share but uh man it's uncomfortable you know but good i don't know i don't know it's not like it wasn't about you know it, there's like emotional themes but like plot wise it's not like about anything you know and i i kind of i'm driven to, but like I, i'm drawn to plot stuff so it was kind of yeah but it was really really good at what it was doing but I was not in a place where I think I could appreciate that because I was just like, yeah, this is just like a dramatization of how I feel all the time or something. And then it got a little bit kind of existential in a weird way. It got, it goes from like absurdist to like kind of bizarre for a while. And then I'm just like, it just feels like 
they're kind of patting themselves on the back a little bit really well made though definitely check it out um johnny also has a ps i bet al rafai would love to come on the show and get to the bottom of this riddlebot puzzbot business he lists his guest appearances all the time on hey riddle riddle it sounds like he's super down to chat on any show hey that's a good idea we might be able to get more views from that I love to hear from Cohen on the pod sometime. My favorite DAD character I ever rolled was inspired by your discussions on Master Manual, so we could check in with them. Yeah, we could get Cohen back. Well, not back. We could get Cohen on for a first time. Uh, okay, sorry, Kevin. Do you think the person was hearing someone else and ascribing that to you, or do you think the noise you're making is actually what generated those complaints? I, I have no idea. Like, I haven't been talking that much, and I didn't think I was using it. You know, I'm wearing headphones. So the only thing that anyone could possibly hear is my voice. And right, and you are allowed to is talk. hearing me say this right now. Yeah, but so, you're, you're allowed to talk in a hotel room. I think that's, that's you know. It, it's it's uh, 6.45 p.m. here. It's not even late. Yeah. I, I'm very confused. You should check out Bo's Afraid after this. I, I actually just think. made a note to do that. That sounded amazing. It is a real, like, I think it's, I don't know. It's, you know, like, like films try to do a thing, you know, and you can, you can argue whether it's a good thing or a bad thing to try to do, but I think the show, or I think the movie, it tried to do a thing and it did it really successfully. And what it tried to do is, uh, make you feel as tortured as possible while watching it. (laughs) And I think it did a really good job of that. And I I think most people kind of reacted to it on that level. And some some people were like, hey, that was awesome. And some people are like, I don't know why someone would choose to do that. And both of them are right. (laughs) Those are both good reactions. Um, I don't know. I feel like if we actually asked Jeff that about the podcast, I don't think he, I think he'd just say like, I never got it right. Like, I think he wouldn't, I, I don't know. Again, like assuming there's, real emotional reasons i don't know that he'd want to reveal them because he's a classy guy you know he's not a shithead i feel like he touched on on the podcast there was that episode where i I asked him hey you know is jeff winger based on you and he went through the whole answer i think he touched on this a little bit of you know hey i didn't really watch the show because it was a little weird but you know whenever dan came around with tape or something we always watched it together but i just never made a point of watching the show i think that's kind of what his answer was yeah you don't know why and I think he also mentioned, and this is something to keep in mind that like Jeff isn't really based on Jeff. Uh, there are very aesthetic kind of character qualities that Jeff has that are like Jeff, but Jeff is more a reflection of Dan's ego, the way all, or not ego, you know, uh, personality, the way all the characters are, you know, like Abed is his kind of like hyper, uh, media kind of focused one. And Britta is more of his kind of like, you know, some of his political ideas. And so they're all kind of aspects of him, but I think Jeff more specifically is like, if there's anyone that's like more Dan than anything else, I think it's that, you know, it's like, it's more, it's more Dan than Shirley, for instance, you know, um, let's see, let's just do one more question. Mike from Texas writes, Hey Spencer, one of the episodes you mentioned topics of cologne. I was never brought up again, but I was wondering if it could relate to my recent situation. I'm reading a book called no more Mr. Nice guy all my life. I felt I did my best to get out of people's way out of respect and always extremely conscious of other people's thoughts and feelings, which ended up making me miserable. I've been, you know, that was actually something I kind of was thinking about talking about in this whole, you know, uh, crying session. 
excuse me, but I, I, I know what this guy's talking about. The book is rewiring me to do things I like to do and find my wants. One of the ways to smell the way I want, I did a little mission to find the smell that is like the farthest from those smelly fuckboy smells. Uh, Salvage, like Savage, is a, is a kind of perfume or cologne that they're talking about. Uh, I found one called Citizen Jack called Absolute. Highly recommend, but maybe that's not what their cologne or perfume statement is going to be about. Yeah, I mean, the problem with that is I just I don't want to use scents anymore because I, I forgot that scents can be bad for cats. So I'm just kind of off of that. But I want to get back into it. I, I need to live some sort of double life where I have a secret perfume lab that I can operate in and then, you know, wash in like a chem shower before going back to my house or something. But, you know, that's the show. You got any last words, Kevin? Um, check out shrobhomevideo.com every Sunday and watch us live. Um, tonight, Rob has a new primitive CGI theater where he explores some of the really early attempts at CGI in TV and movies. Um, coming up next, right after this, is Video Apocalypse, where we've got some crazy music videos. And then Callie Kazoo's new, sh- or new time slot for her show is right after that. So come at shrobhomevideo.com on Sundays and watch us live before I edit out all of Spencer's good. crazy stuff yeah do it quick uh, it's being deleted as we speak yeah. uh but yeah that was all well and good kevin but we gotta what about your last words we gotta like have a new segment called kevin's last words or something last words know? um i don't Parting know thoughts. Give, give me an example of, of how you, you you see this going uh hey man it's kevin's last words again so for today's issue of kevin's last words remember always keep a spare condom and check the expiration date or you know i don't know i don't know or remember was something that freud said and then you know the women are inferior (laughs) did freud say that are are you trying to get me to um get canceled again uh, no, I'm just bad. Like I, the, my polls are just bad. I think like, uh, I, okay. All right. I mean, but that's why it's Kevin's like, if it were Spencer's last words, you know, it would be worse, but that's why, you know, the, the opportunity of Kevin's last words is so good. All right. I trying to think, I'm trying to like, like channel, like remember how Jerry Springer would do this at the end of yeah, like, his exactly. shows where he would come kind of just sit down and do this, but it was always some really cheesy thing. So like exactly. he would sum up part of the show, but not actually help in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I guess, um, yeah, I'm going to end the show the same way I do never, um, by telling Spencer, um, everything gets better. Just give it some time. Yeah. That's what everyone fucking says. It's exactly I know. It's it doesn't matter. It doesn't uh, matter. Bye folks. <laughs>